Hello and welcome to the coolest kids, the emo-less podcast inside of emo and the emo nebula network. Except for the host of the much bigger emo podcast that is joining us today. <laughs> so this side that, of his show. That that was the joke, Brock. I'm your one of your hosts, Terrence Wiggins, and that other guy speaking is your other host, Brock Wilbur, and joined by us today is the host of the biggest emo podcast, Tom Mullen. Howdy. Hi, Tom. <laughs> How are you doing, Tom? I'm great. I don't know if it's, it's definitely not the biggest, but I'm definitely, I feel like I'm the oldest. It's, it's, it's our, it's our favorite. Uh, Tom has a book coming out. Uh, he's the host of Washed Up Emo podcast, uh, which uh, back in May celebrated its 100th episode, uh, which we'll come back to shortly because I love that episode. Uh, but Tom is releasing uh, some of his bigger uh, interviews in a book collection called Anthology of Emo and volume one is coming out. Uh, actually, I think today based on when this, uh, this podcast releases. Uh, and you have uh, like a dozen different uh, of your interviews from the show sort of written up in book form. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it's amazing to see uh, something that's become sort of a running joke on this show, especially as I discover some of these musicians for the first time. Uh, you have these interviews with people and then uh, on your website uh, listed under them is all the bands that they are in. And somebody like Mike Kinsella, it's just a it, it, may, it might as well be its own book. <laughs> Yeah, we thought that was pretty funny. Uh, the designer and I can. I was like, can we put every Kinsella band just to have a little inside <laughs> thing? So uh, we thought that was pretty funny uh, to throw all we, these bands. We just on there. did an American football episode, and I'd never listened to American football, but but in my head, their music had always been the band Owen. And when I found out it was the same guy, I was just losing it. I was like, okay, so my brain knew before I actually knew. <laughs> Yeah, American football is an interesting one. I've told this story, and you might have heard, but it's worth repeating, is that when that record came out, in all intents and purposes, no one cared. And it kind (laughs) of came out and went, and and for some reason, it continued, where people were sharing it, people were telling people about it, and... You know, that's the that band. I'm actually, you know, uh, I'm seeing them tonight in Brooklyn um, again. And so, you know, it was it's cool for them. I think I thought that they had one or two songs. I did not think that it would be as it would have lasted as long. I would have picked another record or another band. But I think the the Kinsella Boys, Polyvinyl, that whole world, I think, is a special kind of time and place. So I'm happy for them. But I you I, I would have not put money on the American football record, uh, me seeing a show in 2017 or talking about it again. I, I definitely wouldn't have put money on it. So, But I am happy for everybody involved. And, and hilariously, uh, Anthology of Emo is being sold through the Polyvinyl store, uh, which is where I bought my copy. And their description for your book uh, begins with a distancing of emo from them where they're like, well, sometimes people call us an emo label, but we're not, but we like this book. And I was like, okay, so that like everyone has this sort of weird deterrent against emo, even the people that have ostensibly produced it. What is your line into emo? Like, why does it matter so much to you? Uh, just to respond to the polyvinyl thing, that is everybody. Everybody hates the word. Uh, <laughs> no one likes it after doing a hundred plus of these been in you know the first moment i heard the word 20 plus years ago to now uh everyone hates it it's fine um unless you're making thousands of dollars uh djing like that's the only time i think i think you actually like it um so i think i I assume you're referring to uh the trademarking of emo night as a brand at this point yes (laughs) yes which uh you know if we can get into that but you know 
we were DJing in New York, uh, you know, years before theirs. There was also another night in uh, Philadelphia. There was another night in San Francisco that was a couple years before us. So, you know, there was definitely um, uh, an interesting tr track to that world. But the word itself and I think the, you know, kind of the apex of, you know, polyvinyl kind of distancing. I think everyone wants to be a rock band, be an indie rock band and not have a label attached to them. And unfortunately, this is the good and the bad part about it where you want to be associated with it but you don't want the word you only want it when uh it helps you and unfortunately <laughs> that's not the case with a lot of things and if if you want to be a part of this scene like this is just what comes of it and it, don't you want to be remembered you know how many emails uh, you know have i gotten of all these bands of just not really understanding you know well no one's really listening to my music in my town. I'm like, do you have any friends, you know, in your in your town that you want to play with? Like, do you have bands? Like, why don't you go do a weekend tour? What does that mean? A community. And I think that's what was most important about the music and what I attached to it 20 plus years ago. I'm going to this event. There's all these people there that are like-minded, that have uh, music tastes that I like. There's a distro there. Someone's selling a zine. Uh, the band has t-shirts. I can wear a, you know, a cool band t-shirt. I'm going to see them next weekend or I'm going to go see that. And all of those relationships that I made 20 plus years ago bared fruit years and years later without even knowing it. So that community part, which I think sometimes people are like, let's just grab onto this scene and take what we can and move on. There's a little bit deeper connection to what happened. And I think from emo, punk, hardcore, indie rock, however you sort of intersected it, there's a community aspect that I think people that see it as a four-year history of, four, of hair in the face and, uh, you know, crying and cutting, that is, the, that is just one peel back of the onion of emo. Right. I feel like I should have jumped in and said something because I haven't said anything in like five minutes. <laughs> Watch out. It's been 20 plus years um, of talking about this. But yes, that, that's kind of the crux of the beginning and why it matters. Now, I, I understand because uh, when I was in high school, like emo was what basically everyone, what scene kids were. And I was just like, even when I was in high school and I didn't really have that sort of music knowledge, I was like, this isn't like what what is considered emo and what scene kids are doing aren't really gelling well because like the kind of stuff that came out of the scene uh was uh, uh trash it was bad <laughs> a lot of it was a lot of it was terrible and uh so we got a lot of we got bands like attack attack and just garbage a lot of a lot of bad bands came out of there and like it it really kind of made me wish that I was uh, from a from another city or like lived in another time where where the kind of music I listened to made sense instead of going to warp tour every year for uh, for for Tom if uh, our our sort of backstories are that uh, Terrence comes uh, from a uh, East Coast uh, sort of beach town where he was the one black kid at his high school listening to emo and going to warp tour and I'm a kid from uh, Kansas who had to sort of 
reverse learn emo. Like I was the person that made it to LA and was like hanging out backstage with cursive, but had never listened to a Fugazi album before. Uh, so we have our own, uh, different, uh, but equally frustrating paths through this genre. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, and that's the whole part about it. The access, the being able to be a part of this. If that, if that, if that band doesn't come through town or you don't have that venue or that area where you can congregate and find out about this stuff, it wasn't as easy. Uh, you really had to search and find it. And the internet wasn't as quick as you and I, um, you know, how many different modes of, communication did we do before we connected all of those things weren't there so there was a little bit of a learning curve in 19 oh, yeah. so in in uh, like a uh, 2007 you started wash up emo as as it did it begin as a website yes I, I know it didn't start as a podcast till 2011 right yeah the it just started as a website i was at equal vision records and you know, we had some rad stuff. We uh, Circus Survive, Chiodos, Falla yeah, Troy. Yeah. So those, I was the yeah, I was the head of marketing for the label at the time. So we were figuring shit out and uh, you know learning how to you know break records at an indie label with six people. Um, and it, <laughs> it definitely wasn't just me. Um, and and so th there was a lot of interesting moments where this stuff started getting bigger and. It sort of happened, you know, 2001, I sort of s smelled some of this, um, you know, I call it post bleed American and <laughs> perfect. Yeah. I mean that, that really was, that was, that, that was it. I have a longer story about that record itself and what happened when I was at a label B, but I can, uh, but the, you know, that first sort of thought about the 2007 and why is that I was just seeing all of these people and bands and things appropriating the word to anything that just happened to be popular at the moment. And that was so far removed. Like I'm telling you in 2007, there was no mention of Sunday day real estate. There was no mention of mineral. There was no mention of a lot of bands that people loved or, and appreciated that I think should have been mentioned alongside it, but it was almost as if it was cast aside. They took the word and started doing something else and they there was that's where i sort of got really frustrated and angry and especially i always make fun of the uk um because their magazines are cr crazy um with how they sort of sensationalize things um and so they were like a big uh muse for me early on of just the amount of things they were talking about with the goth culture and all those things so 2007 i just was like let me just talk about the bands that i used to love <laughs> and that's how it started. That's how I was either angry uh, talking about some crappy thing from the UK or I was uh, I was, you know, mentioning a band that people were, had forgotten. Before we go any further, I do have to hear your Bleed American because the last episode we recorded uh, was uh, an episode about uh, Jimmy World's Futures. Uh, and and I find that this band uh, suffered all the problems that revolve around not only emo but also the music industry, like in a, in like a five year span. What is your story about the Bleed American stuff? So the I was a huge fan of obviously Static and Clarity and uh, certain to be on. You know, it's definitely at this point my favorite band. Uh, and so the the random story was I was at a record label in a big indie. Um, label when those still existed uh, called TVT Records and it was like a huge huge label uh, you know t giant office in New York and you know 200 plus people regional staff for radio it was crazy and that was one that was my first 
label gig and I was doing college radio and specialty. And I remember talking to a product manager and kind of meeting some of the A&R guys and they kind of knew that I loved this genre. And one of the A&R guys called me up to his office and I think it was through another coworker told him they were like, Hey, Tom loves this band. They handed me the bleed American demo that they sent around to all the labels that no one responded. So I, <laughs> I remember, I remember getting it and I still have it. I still have the, co- it's, I'm staring at it. I'm staring at the box that it's in. And I remember getting it and being like, Holy shit, this has five singles on it. And I, I remember telling the, one of the product managers and he was like, Tom, that's nice. They're going to go play Irving Plaza. Uh, you're going to have your 60,000 sold and you're going to, they're going to move on. And I was like, no, this thing is huge. And I was just, you know, screaming at the top of my lungs, like how big this thing was going to be. And obviously, you know, they did really well. I could have been totally wrong and never tell the story again, but it totally happened. And, uh, I started getting the president to call me into his office <laughs> and the A&R guy being like, Hey, uh, what else are you listening to? So it was a. You became the harbinger of evil. Yeah, I mean, it was like 21, 22 years old, like getting asked to, you know, tell people what you thought about the scene and what was happening. And so that that was definitely a, a, a crazy time. But that's why I call it kind of post Bleed American. People sort of started figuring it out. And by 2007, uh, it just was a derivative of anything that was at all connected to anything. And it just got so ridiculous. And uh, I was in the middle of it. I was at labels. I was trying to help bands out. And it just you j- just to try to weed through the, the the garbage was pretty hard. I like that the, some of the subtext of what else are you listening to is also, are you okay? How are you doing? <laughs> I don't think I got that much because I'm a pretty happy guy. <laughs> like I, the the I would say about emo, one of my biggest pet peeves is the thought that it's sad. And that there's crime. You did, you did mention that in our initial booking email. You corrected me on that very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I just I know that's it's like it's just so. It's it, I never thought of it as sad. It was <laughs> I, it was it's a it's a euphoric feeling. It's a it's a it's a uplifting feeling, and it doesn't have to be like um, you know that whole you know anytime there's a sad movie character, you know some asshole <laughs> makes an emo version of that person on Twitter. And it's just like it's that's I just never thought of it that way and never felt I think it's a uh, I think it's a detriment and a sort of a snide to the era or the 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 word and the genre itself that sort of it's I call it like the comedy and the Oscars. You're not going to win an Oscar for a comedy. Emo's not going to win any awards um, anytime soon. You got to call it indie rock. You got to, you know, you have to be, you know, you have to be really, you know, uh, you know, some Brit rock thing to feel like respected. Um, it's it's the uh, you know, it's definitely I'm not going to use any more references that no one knows um, when when grandpa talks. Um, but I would say that the, the, those are kind of the, the feelings that I think about. No, please, please use all the old. References all right, done. I need. I don't like I don't like don't. Don't like stop yourself. If you feel a reference just coming up, just like <laughs> even if I'm in the middle of a sentence, just be like, whatever, just do it. Um, but you were talking about the sadness thing, and uh, I really do think it kind of like we were just talking about like back in 2007 when like anything was just kind of glommed on to this uh, to this phrase, um, and like. It, it got like seeing kids got like wrapped up in like goth kids and it was just like all this stuff and it was just like and nobody like 
anybody in those scenes, because 2007 is right after I got out of high school. So, like, all these, all these kids that were in these scenes that were, like, that this music was attributed to never didn't know anything about the like i guess where it came from so it was just like nobody was nobody i knew was listening to like the get up kids or here or jimmy world here was the difference that i thought at that time when i got into it it was okay here's this band and they listen to this band and here's where like you start kind of going frontwards and backwards of like what they're listening to now and what they used to listen to and you start kind of getting that pool of artists and bands in your head and i just i don't think the majority of people from that era decided to look back. It was this happened on this date and anything before never existed. And maybe it was a, maybe it was them not being able to uh, find it or maybe it wasn't as accessible. But I thought that that person that wants to search and find the root of things got a little lost at that time. And I think that's when it, you lost sort of the connection between all the eras. It was also, like, the era of MySpace, so, like, music, it was it was a time when music was just, like, it didn't have uh, eras, like you said, like, it was, everything just happened all at once, and it was all on the internet, you can listen to it for free, it's on a <laughs> website, and just, no, like, nobody was just like... Like nobody, it felt like nobody went back to find bands, like or not went back to find bands, but they'd hear a song, and I, I was working at a radio station at the time, um, so like you would hear every once in a while you hear like one Jimmy Eat World song or one Take It Back Sunday song or one brand new song, like uh, after hearing thirty plays of an Evanescence song or or the same Death Cat for Cutie song fifty times. And I was just like, oh, this is, people like, this is emo. And I'm just like, Evanescence isn't, Evanescence isn't emo. They're like, new metal, please stop talking. Like, this actually gets back into the same thing that Tom was saying about emo that I was thinking uh, is bands like Evanescence and Creed and stuff based on where I grew up, uh, self-applying like the Christian rock label until you had enough money to get out of that world. And then you distance yourself from that label. Like sometimes people right. do want to use a, a label or a scene until they don't need it anymore. Right. That's, I mean, hence the site is this band <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that was a website. Neither did I. Are you guys kidding? No, so, so we're, we're not great at this. So hang on. So in t- in 2011, started the started the podcast and the DJ night, and like 20 like three years in, I was like, man, I'm, I need like again. It's all about the education. Like I might have a little snark. There might be a few jokes, but the whole goal is to like understand. There's a larger history than the three years that people think that this world existed. And because there's questions every day, I get like, oh, is email still around? Yes, it is. You know, it never left. It never, it never right. fucking left. And so, the uh, the website was started in 2014 called isthisbandemo.com, and it's any band that on the face of the earth, it will tell you if it's emo or not. And it's a joke and serious at the same time. So there are there are bands that are in there. There are Easter eggs. There are band members. It's it, the amount of stuff that's in there is uh, it's So I spent you know, three or four months with a group of people like figuring out what to put in there. And then 
uh, slowly after that, uh, it sort of kind of came into this old world. And there's been some snarky stuff by other people in the press about it. But again, it's always been, you know, and Reddit, you know, the emo subreddit hates it. But again, all the whole the whole <laughs> joke about it was it's just it's a joke and serious at the same time because I was so frustrated where someone would talk about Nickelback and be like, "That's so emo," and I'd be like, "Well, I gotta fucking change this right now." <laughs> uh, your 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 council has confirmed that at the drive-in is an emo band. So good. So the emo council was a <laughs> little line that I threw in at the end was when I was talking to some friends about it. I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. We're kind of like a council of people deciding this is kind of funny. Uh, and in the in gr- the group of people, uh, you know, was a few friends that I had from the industry. And then people thought it was real. People were telling me like, hey, can the council vote on this? And I was like, wait a minute. Why don't I <laughs> wh- wh- why don't I make up a council? So it's actually a group of people across bands, labels, writers, uh, people in the scene. So there's actually there's actually a group of 12 to 15 people that I will refer to and ask what they think about something. So when you think mm-hmm. it's just me, it's not. There's actually a group of a, a bunch of people. So, But the joke of me writing that turned into actually having one. <laughs> See, you're laughing. That, that's the point. <laughs> I'd say, do you have like t-shirts and robes that you guys wear? No, I just thought to use the UN logo and sort of like the stuff on the on the on the Twitter account. That's usually the that's that's as far as we've gone. Uh, but it literally was just something fun to do that I thought would help when people were searching and they wanted to find out. Like one of the best part about it is on the um, uh, on Google Analytics, I can see like what people search, and so it's a really good <laughs> indication to find out. Like, oh wow, five seconds of summer, people are really jamming on this. They really think it is. I'm going to change up the answer. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. It th- but that's uh, that that came out of uh, I love you know, it. Uh, seven years after the site started to just be like, hey, let me uh, l- let me see if uh, this will be something fun. And again, anything that all of these things from the website to the st- to the is this been emo to the podcast to the book it's all just been like there's nothing out there let me do it i don't know anything i'm gonna figure it out and i happen to have a couple friends in the industry or i worked at a label so i was able to kind of snowball from there and that's my thing to people that if there's something out there that isn't said or mentioned do it that's all i did right yeah um i very much understand that sentiment uh of just like well, I want to do this thing, uh, so I guess I'll just do, uh, like do, uh, like I make cookies. Uh, I bake a lot of cookies for whatever reason. Cookies and are those emo? I, is 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 what? Is cookies, cookies emo? I don't know. You can try. You can see if it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> but like people always ask, like uh, like if I went to like cooking school or anything, I was just like, no, I just kind of figured it out. Like, how do you come up with your recipes? I was like, I don't know. I like I just think what what sounds good. Okay, we'll make it now. That's I don't know. I guess that DIY attitude that came from this whole thing. Yeah. No, I think I, mean, I typed in uh, is this emo into the Google search uh, the first result uh, uh, as the autofill was uh is this emotional abuse and I was like, "Oh Tom, your other website is much less funny." Yes. No, that's not mine. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, so I think you did the, your hundredth episode back in May, and you interviewed uh, Kevin Lyman about the creation of the Warped Tour and all of his experiences with that. It's a great episode, especially to listen to him tell this story about 
how Sugar Ray was booked on like the first one and they just had a hit song and they demanded to be put on a bigger stage. And he was like, no one switches stages just because they have a hit now. And he's like, had I have switched them, I would have actually had to trade places with them. And Blink-182 and Blink-182 wouldn't have come to headline the show three years later when they hit it big. Uh, and of course, the big news this week is that Warp Tour is ending after next year. What are your thoughts on that? And do you have any idea why this is happening? I, I think this last year was hard. Um, I think the I think the I think the I'm of course I'm also old and maybe I missed out or didn't realize the bands, but I don't think as many were recognizable. I think people took it for granted. Uh, um, I think there's a lot of reasons, um, and I would say I mean it's nothing lasts forever unless band reunions. Uh, and so I think the warp tour ending and having like a apex is, is great. And hopefully he gets a ton of bands that used to do it. And for me, it was the, one of the first things I went to. I, I, I've, I, one of my first big concerts was warp tour and rushing to get there at noon to see blink One Eighty Two play first. Um, <laughs> and so that was, uh, and that was before you were able to figure out when bands were playing. Now you've got the whole internet, they announced the set times and all those things. No, this was like, we just knew we had to get there first because we wanted to see a bunch of bands and that was one of them. Uh, and I think a lot of them were pretty eclectic back in the day. I mean, Katy Perry started on Warp Tour. That was where, what? Yeah. That was hey, one of her big tours. Your episode wasn't she opening for like Pierce the Veil or something like that? No, no, no. I mean, remember how the set times change up every day? So all those oh, right. sort of so so she could have been at four fifteen one day, twelve thirty next. You know, <clears throat> so but she was on she that was her you know first big tour summer tour was uh, Warp Tour. So a lot of people came through. If it's hardcore punk ska, um, you know, all those bands, and I think. That was what I loved about it. Like I could go see Less Than Jake, Sick of It All, and Pennywise, and I liked all three of those bands. So uh, I think at times it, things got derivative, and there was maybe too much of one sound. And uh, but that's that, yeah. that's with anything. So, but I'm happy for that it went on this long. And for a, for someone like me that didn't bands didn't. I grew up in Vermont, so there's not a lot of bands that would come up there. So it was easy for me to see a ton of bands that I would have never seen. Um, and I think that's a lot for people that maybe didn't have a record store and only had a Walmart and Warp Tour came through. Well, that's a pretty cool thing that if a rad band came through there and maybe they permeated some smaller town when that was w one of the only ways you might have heard about it. That's a pretty big deal. I think that's going to be the legacy of that uh, tour is being able to expose a lot of people for a really cheap amount of money. And it was, a, you know, a, a great environment to learn about punk rock, you know, seeing someone fall in the pit and seeing how to pick them up, uh, see, mm. seeing other like-minded friends and people seeing different views and different people looking weird. Like, uh, you know, I'm desensitized after living in New York for way too long. Uh, <laughs> nothing phases me. I saw a goat come out of a cab for something and I didn't even stop. I, this was th that that was Friday. <laughs> that was last Friday. I was like, "Oh, cool, goats coming out of a cab. Whatever. I got to get home. You know, I got the Celtics game on here in a minute." Uh, and you know, that's kind of that that that's bad. But when I was at Warp Tour, the new Crazy Taxi game is wild. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, Cash Cab. Uh, uh, so I think the uh, that was a big big part of Warp Tour. 
And, and, I was trying and, to and think also, of the... is, it, is it somewhat difficult to put on the show now when it's, it's become such a a complicated political climate to bring that many bands together? Because like we started this show over the summer and it was right after the Dickies got kicked off uh, the Warped Tour. And it was like, why were the Dickies even on that tour at the same time as there's people uh, setting up like booths to explain safe spaces to local communities and stuff like it's just there's there's perhaps too many people of too many different types in this place and that that probably at one point was something that was uh in the positive column and now seems like it's just sort of a logistical nightmare mm-hmm. yeah no I, and the, the, those things happen where i think there was there, there was controversies a lot of times but uh now it's twitter in five seconds and before it might have been something written it might have been something on a website so it's they that that was always there and i think that it's not just warp tour that these things happened it just was more personified um especially with how quick things move terrence i feel like i cut you off as you were starting into a question i don't I was trying to remember the <laughs> it wasn't anything important. I was just trying to remember the the host of Cash Cab and I was going to make a joke about the goat being the host like like oh that's Ben whatever his name is but I can't remember it now. So it's not even important and the joke's it's gone. It's Ben Bailey. <laughs> ben Bailey. And, and my friends actually were on the show. Uh, uh-huh. And it was kind of a funny story that uh, I always like to mention. They missed the double or nothing at the end, and so whenever mm-hmm. I'm just hanging out, I'll mention that answer just to just to <laughs> just give them a little shit. Aaron Burr. <laughs> Aaron, it was Aaron Burr, guys. Come on. Yeah. Is that a reference to that commercial? To the milk commercial? Yes. Yes. That spawned Hamilton. <laughs> So, Tom, you've been doing this podcast and you've been talking directly to the bands that we talk about uh, in third person before disappearing down Wikipedia wormholes of uh, who has been a shit person lately or what these guys are doing with their lives now. Brock always says something and then I'm just like, what is he talking about? So I'll like uh, I'll like Google it and it's like Wikipedia and I'm just like, where? I'm so, like he's just keeps talking. I'm just like I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. You said something, and I had to look it up, and now I'm just further into the internet, and now I'm dead. <laughs> and the canary, the canary died in the mines. Uh, so you you talk to these people directly of of the interviews that you've done with bands. Which one has been the most surprising? Oh, uh, the most surprising. Um, I would say. I would say that when there's people that I don't know that well and I think that it's just going to be a really quick conversation and it ends up being something more uh more than that and deeper and end up, you know, being uh more more connected to that person or there's more things come from it. Th- th- that's probably the most surprising. Like the thing about this is I've if I've uh, there's a you know a term kind of called like a punisher you know like someone that's just kind of like there's just they're always at the shows and like punishing the bands or punishing people about stuff i'm like so hyper conscious of that that i'm it's almost to a fault and i think working in the industry like i'm here to help them i'm here to help them get their music out further i'm not here to be their friend and i'm I, I, if it's I'm friendly, I'm I'm happy to help and be friendly, but I'm not like there to be like, all right, so let's get dinner next week. Uh, <laughs> and I think sometimes that's hard for people when music is so personal and there's so much uh, invested in it from an artist's perspective that 
you know, they put this out in the world and then they get a shitty review or no one cares about it or all these people care about it and they get a big head I, or they don't or they it, there's all these things that happen. And I think I've always just tried to be and I think that's what was one of the early reviews of the podcast was it's kind of like he's a super nerd, but he's holding it back. And I think that's the, the <laughs> that's the that's the part that I love that I know way too much about these bands, but I'm gonna try to keep it cool and try to ans- get the answers that I think people listening, as me as a fan, would be like, what do I want to hear? What do I want if I'm talking to Kevin Devine, if I'm talking to The Promise Ring, or I'm talking to you know Colin from. S- Circa Survive, who I talked to a couple days ago. Like, what, 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 what would I want someone to get out of it? So, that's I know that's a long answer, but I, I'm so hyper conscious of it because uh, I think a lot of these have come through mutual friends. Like some, like the the karate interview with Jeff Farina, which maybe people don't really know about, but uh, know that band that took like a friend of a friend for them to be like, can you please do this? Um, it doesn't come through a publicist uh, or the or or the label. Um, and so that's been probably the most, that's probably the most surprising thing is I'm able to kind of get through to these bands that ne- haven't been interviewed. I mean, there's some people like Brett from the Juliana Theory. I spent, I think, three years <laughs> trying to get him to do it. <laughs> uh, that makes me laugh because we, we were, uh, me and Brooke were looking for guests on... Um, on Twitter and our mutual friend, Nathan Edwards, he was like, he was like, I would love to do uh Juliana theory, like do emotion is dead. And like, b- like Brett Detour just showed up in our mentions and we're like, it's not about you, Brett. <laughs> no, I think, I think he's got like a bot or something that must tell him when there's a reference to the band or something. But uh, no, but yeah. I, I, the, you know, he's, he's definitely, uh, there's a bunch of people in that band uh, that are really good at Twitter, uh, you know, and, uh, but yeah, no, he's definitely, I, I remember writing something, not even at replying him. I made like a reference and he like wrote back, um, which was really funny. I remember I, I had the screenshot of it. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, uh, there's um i think there's enough bands to go around and these stories need to be told so i think uh hats off to whoever does it uh if 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 we do have to change our our name due to its reference to the band brand new uh this isn't about you brett is a great emo podcast name yeah (laughs) and and that to tie that we me and darren's have now talked about this uh, on our last podcast episode too but uh did you see the commercial did you see the did you see the juliana theory commercial that i posted There's a there you know those sort of like uh, compilation um, infomercials that would go on and they would like talk about all the yeah. great songs. There was a this this husband and wife teacher team that I found online that did this, um, and it's it's amazing. It's it's like a reenactment of as if you were listening to Emotion Is Dead as a TV commercial. <laughs> What? what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's on my Facebook page. It's one of like the first videos. Um, but yeah, that is a th- you guys should check that out if uh, if you haven't had a chance. Uh, well, I can definitely, I will definitely look that up. Uh, uh, you were you were talking about uh, some of the the line ins for these interviews and and you know the what makes them tricky about you know how these artists have let us in as musicians and stuff. Uh, we've we talked about this on our last last podcast, but we have a podcast that has taken its name and its image from brand new. And there have been the recent allegations against their lead singer, which also you mentioned Kevin Devine. And we just found out that he left the band. He was a touring member and just departed last week. Uh, 
is is the, we've been talking about how the, the you know the music world is sort of set for uh, a lot of people to be exposed for a lot of things. Do you do you worry about any of the people that you've talked to, or are there any stories about these sort of things that that mess with you in the same way because of of how open these bands have been? I mean, if I could do no comment, I do no comment. I, I I'm not. I am. Uh, I in all seriousness, like I am not uh, anywhere close to be able to speak because I wasn't in those people's shoes. Um, I don't know what happened. Um, and you know, I was, I was, I think uh, as shocked as anybody else to see these things happen. And this is not new. Uh, this has been going on in every music scene and every, and every industry. Uh, so this is not just, you know, a, a brand new thing, but it is, um, troubling when it's a band that people held in such high regard. They just had a number one record. They just had all these sold out shows. So it's, I think, um, I think for me, it's nothing. It's it's not what I think. I want other people that have been more involved or more affected by this to speak and to hopefully change. I will be, you know, supporting uh, people that are doing those things and speaking out. And but again, for me personally, I don't. I'm not. I'm not the person to speak on um, what happened and 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 why. I love that answer because I feel like too often people will. Like, even if like I feel like you're you're an expert on this sort of thing, like these bands and stuff. But like I feel like too often people feel like they have to make a statement on something when they're even when they're not involved, and it's just like you didn't you didn't have to say anything. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Yeah, no, I had a lot of people being like, "What what are you gonna say? What's your pose?" I'm like, "What do you want me to fucking say?" So (laughs) like this is. That's kind I didn't of have like, anything to do with this. Like, so I I, uh, I hope that um, more people. The there's been some really cool things written recently. Um, I'm gonna obviously people are listening, so they're unable, but you can search it. But there's things that I've shared um, since then that I think say it better than I would have ever done it or could have. Um, I can't. So right. uh, that's definitely. I hope that uh, these things, you know, ha- change the way that people think and and. And, and talk and uh, I I try to stick on the positive side of the street and what's what's cool happening and, and try not to um, and, and hope that the positive nature wins out right like it's it's not ignoring the problem but it's just like I one I can't say anything like what what do you want me to say about it too this conversation doesn't just... need my voice because I have nothing to weigh <laughs> in on unless I'm trying to get attention for me <laughs> right. And like too, like, like you said, like uh, just focusing on like if you if you can show somebody something positive, like while other people are saying stuff that you can't communicate, like what I don't understand why everyone needs to have an opinion all the time about everything all the time. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just like I don't. Know, it just really frustrates me being on the internet a lot. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, on to some uh, some lighter stuff. Tom, you've done a bunch of other stuff that's uh, outside the realm of emo, and some of it I, I found on your website that I'd actually seen before. I saw the 8-bit Ghostbusters music video you had commissioned. Yes. Uh, and I, I've also, uh, last year, uh, really spent a lot of time with the digital version of Jeff Buckley's record collection that you put together, which is just an insane thing to have. How long did this take? And, and, and what, what was the process? Which one, the ghostbusters or the Jeff Buckley, the, the Jeff Buckley, the, the Jeff Buckley one, um, was, 
long did that take to get together? I would say six to eight months. Um, there was a there was a there was a release. I, I was at a record label, Sony Music, and I was uh, there was a uh, release from Jeff Buckley that was like covers, and there was songs that he recorded right before he ended up recording his first record. So this was kind of like, hey, he got signed, throw him up to the studio, play everything. Just start playing what you know. Those were what those songs were. Never been heard before. There was some people that kind of had bootlegs of it, but nothing like an official release. And so the... I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool, like covers. Like I remember, you know, doing that as a guitar player, and you know, and some of the artwork that they were throwing around. There was a photo of his CDs, and it was just one, and it was kind of like in a box, and they were going to use it for the artwork. And I remember I emailed Jeff Buckley's mom and said, "Hey, uh, are there more of those?" And she said, "Yeah, there's a whole, there's everything he, there's his whole." R- uh, record collection it's in his uh you know we have it in storage and i was like can you take photos of all of it i have an idea and so that's where it started i said and i literally saw the website in my head at that moment and i thought what a cool way for people to experience this artist who's no longer with us uh to be able to understand where his where his mastery came from from all his music collection and his music collection is amazing uh when you we started looking at the list so a lot of help from a lot of people we had an agency that we hired to build it the A&R staff the marketing team like it was the digital team on the everybody was like you know uh super rad once it got approved and we started moving but um that's the apex of it and the idea was this is something that could be evergreen so you finding out about Jeff Buckley yesterday on his 51st birth, 51st birthday or in 10 years this site will be there and you can dive into his musical tastes and I think it's pretty rare I don't there's a uh, pretty specific website I know there's a few similar to it but what I loved is that you can listen to a 30 second clip um, from any of the songs instantly uh, and if you want to listen to the full record you can load it up on Spotify um, so yeah it was super super rewarding and Jeff's mom at the end when we were kind of done the promo and people had supported it and stuff she said Jeff would have loved this and so to hear that I was like cool I'm done <laughs> <laughs> also just and, and I'd, as the mother I'd just like to add Jeff would have been your best friend like thanks mom that's that's a lot to deal with <laughs> yeah yeah I think the, um, the being able to the, I, another great sort of anecdote is we had a there was a meeting where there's a at a lot of labels there's like a there's like a college rep program where it's like not just interns but people that are around the country at colleges helping labels with promotion or helping with shows or uh, things that you know you guys can uh, college kids can get like a taste uh, for what you know what's going on at the label world and it's a really great in. And there's a presentation that the, this label that I was at gave to a bunch of those college reps and they presented sort of, oh, what's coming in this next year and blah, 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 blah. And Jeff wasn't in it. And at the end, this girl kind of stood up and said, hey, and I did not plant this person at all. She got up. And she's like, hey, uh, is anybody going to do more of this stuff like the Jeff Buckley site? And I just like gave a little fist like in the back of the room being like, that was awesome. Because um, it was a it was a college aged person finding out about Jeff Buckley and having a deeper connection to him. What other amazing? That's all you want. That's all anyone does in a marketing meeting. How do we get the kids into this? You know, that's all it is. So for for uh, to have that happen um, for that thing was super super 
rad. And I think I take the same mentality of my obsession over certain bands from the world that I'm, you know, talking to you about now. I take that same approach to my day job. And so I think there's some similarities between it. You know, it's sort of making sure that their legacy is remembered. And that's the same thing that I was trying to do for Jeff. That is fantastic. Uh, I think that's our time for today. Uh, can you let people know where the book is and uh, and how they can get a copy? <laughs> Anthologyofemo.com. It is available uh, right now as you're listening. And there's going to be some events in January uh, around the country, hopefully. And uh, hopefully there'll be volume two. And it's uh, uh, really, really fun to put together. And my last thing is do something. If there's a void, if there's nothing... Uh, that you see out there on the internet about something you love, just go and do it. Where can people find like you on the advice. online? The internets. Washedupemo.com uh, has everything, and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things, slash washedupemo, and uh, anthologyofemo.com has got more information about the book and press and things that people have said about it. So thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I learned. I didn't say a lot because you're very uh, interesting. Well, you're just, you know how to talk. And I was just like, I'm just going to let him talk because this is like, I'm just listening. I'm just like, I'm cool with this. Like, like I felt, I felt more like an editor on this episode because I'm just sitting back just like, yeah. yeah. I know. I apologize if I have the long-winded answers. I just think there's a lot. No, to, I, it's pretty easy no, to agree with everything that you had to say today. Yeah, we're both yeah, just sort of say, nodding. And <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't. Ha- I didn't have anything to say because it was like everything you said. I was just like, this is a good answer, and like I don't, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what else to add to this. So I'm just like, I hope Brock says something because I don't have anything to add. Was that why uh, we had was, such such long weird spaces after some of the answers because neither of us really had a follow up. <laughs> Right, Good. yeah. This I was like, God, I hope Brock says something. <laughs> I was just like, it's yeah. the first and last time Terrence will say that. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I'm I'm so online at Brock Wilbur. I have a new podcast with my wife called Missouri Loves Company about our recent move to Kansas City and getting involved in politics out here. Uh, by the time this comes out, we have uh, a cool new episode coming out uh, with the owner of a record store in our neighborhood who's been here for. 30 years uh, and uh, we went in the other day and uh, my wife held up a copy of uh, brand new Deja Intendu and uh, she pointed uh, a 50 year old woman pointed at that and goes oh you might not want to get that one right now and we were like well she knows she knows her stuff and is on top of what's happening right now so uh, tune in for that Uh, I'm on the internet as the black nerd that's it buy Terrence's cookies Terrence is selling cookies right now Oh yeah, I'm selling cookies. Uh, for it's it's a uh, it's pinned to my Twitter right now. I completely forgot about that. Answer our I've question. Tell pinned. Terrence that emo uh, cookies are emo, or are they not? You should emo? you we... should probably <laughs> put that in right now. I feel like the council had a vote during the episode. I don't know if you're I don't know if you're able to look, but uh, if you look up Terrence's cookies, uh, I think there was a quick vote in between. I had sent a quick email out to the council. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for this. This was a delight. <laughs> you got and an Terrence? excellent plug for Terrence's cookies. Oh, man. Uh, everything's stupid. <laughs> did, you, did you see it? Uh, hold on. Did you? Let's see. Terrence's cookies. Is it, did you spell my name yeah, right? Yeah, one R. Yes. Okay. Terrence's cookies is not an email. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, please. 
please screen cap Terrence and send it to everyone we know. <laughs> Tell all your friends. Tell all my friends. Um, yeah, Tom, thank you so much. Of course. Much. It was a lot of fun. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna invite you on the show more and you're just gonna follow me and Brock sit here listen. Let, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, l- let us know when volume two is coming out so we can circle back. I definitely will. Yeah. Thank and you guys. Congrats on the release and and keep going with the excellent show that people should subscribe to and listen to. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's gonna be some cool episodes. I've got a few that I'm editing this weekend. So over uh, the holidays when everyone's sitting at home and you're like ten minutes of my aunt and I'm over it, I got an episode <laughs> for you. <laughs> I say uh, you've done some of the episodes you've done uh, can kind of coincide like it, like uh, you can listen to him talk to one of the guys from the band and then listen to our episode like we did a Bayside episode that's going to come up soon. I love I World. love that episode with Bayside, by the way. I think uh, I that's one you guys asked earlier about like anticipation. I didn't know how he was going to do it. And the other thing I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't mention was for the first 10 minutes, people are really defensive. And so I some <laughs> I sometimes have to be like, hey, so I saw you guys back here and this and this. I worked at EVR. I know this person. It's like sometimes you kind of have to like break them down a little bit to understand because a lot of people don't <laughs> uh-huh. pay attention. Like when I interviewed Refused, the first thing I said to him was, guys, what do you think of Civ? Huh? How great are Civ? And they instantly <laughs> they instantly relaxed. So I just you know I think there's the. the Especially with mine, the you know the I wish I had more time to like debate and talk and do the sort of like pont you know sort of the thoughts about a record, but I'm just trying to like you know make sure that the artist feels comfortable and says a bunch of stuff. So I think you guys have a place uh, to talk about these records because uh, I'm just trying to get the artist to do it. <laughs> guys, guys, listen to both like our it. podcasts if you need to circus survive the holidays. That's enough. That's enough. I was gonna. That's enough. I was gonna say. I was gonna say we made it through a whole episode without Brock making a a terrible joke, and then we got to the end, and he just couldn't resist. It just wouldn't be an episode. (laughs) I like it. Terrence, do the closing line. Save us all. Okay. Okay. You're not gonna Uh, edit that out. Edit all that shit out. (laughs) No. No, not at all. Wait a minute. Did I say anything I wasn't supposed to? Shit. No, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> As always, we are the coolest kids and we take what we can get. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.